I love FreshBooks as a company. They're certainly focused on customer service. They've got a human element to even their software. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for the show. Well, today we have another guest that's very driven to make a difference in the world and that definitely doesn't like to sit still for too long. Twyla Verhelst joined us for this episode, and she's the head of the accountant channel for FreshBooks. And honestly, that was enough to pique my interest and invite her on the show because I've been wanting to learn much more about that particular system. But when I did a little more research, I realized that Twyla has had some typical accounting roles, but that she's also done some unique things as well, such as starting and running a mortgage company, starting a cloud accounting service, and a few other ventures also. We definitely do get around to discussing FreshBooks in this episode, and I learned quite a bit there, of course, but her career journey is just phenomenal. You're really going to enjoy this one. It is jam-packed. It's a great, great story. And if you do enjoy or learn something from this episode, please let us know by sharing it out on social media. I know I've been mentioning that a lot, but honestly, it has been getting shared out a whole lot more and our reviews have been going up as well. And that just warms my heart. I very much appreciate everybody that's doing that. It's caused our downloads to go up dramatically over the last year. And I know that the podcast, therefore, is helping a whole lot more people. So thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. And while I'm on that topic, If there's anything I can do for you in the area of speaking with accounting associations or your accounting clubs on the topics of accounting careers, I'm always happy to be involved in those discussions. I really enjoy speaking about accounting employment. So if there's anything I can do for you in those areas, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Just shoot me a message. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's guest. You're really going to enjoy this one. Here's Twyla. Verhelst. Well, hello, Twyla. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Nice to chat with you. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. This will be fun. Well, for the audience, I'm happy to say that our podcast has been around long enough now that I get introduced to some very interesting potential guests on occasion. And that's how we came across Twyla Verhelst. Twyla's background has some typical accounting positions we see, I guess, but also there are some unusual roles she's had, and she's founded and co-founded several organizations, so this should be an exciting interview. Plus, now she's with FreshBooks, which is another company I've heard a lot about in the last few years, so I'm really looking forward to finding out more about her overall background. Well, Twyla, you've done so many things, seriously, that I wouldn't even know where to start if we didn't have a standard format. I do always like to start at the beginning, though. So what led you to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? You led into this question or into my answer really well because you referred to me as a non-typical accountant. And typically, I refer to myself as a non-traditional accountant. So you've certainly paved the way for where I'm going to go here. Really. I became an accountant as my plan B, to be honest with you. I knew that I wanted to do something in the realm of business. I didn't know exactly what that was going to be. And I thought when I was kind of deciding on school, I thought the world always needs accountants. Now, certainly we know in the past 20 years, 
the industry of accounting has changed significantly. And so obviously the role of accountants has changed. But I think that still holds true that that accountants still have jobs and we still have roles and the world does still need accountants and will for a very long time. So I became a CPA really as that plan B, but I knew I wanted to be some sort of entrepreneur in some sort of realm of business. I grew up in a small business. My parents were entrepreneurs. And so that was the start of what got me into accounting, thinking it'll never go amiss. But then once I finished my schooling for my designation, I spent that first year as a financial controller. So that's more of your typical accounting job. And once that kind of happened and I had that first year of being a controller, then my career took the meandering path that you see <laughs> on my flattering of a resume or my LinkedIn profile. And so I got out of becoming that or out of being that controller in a manufacturing company, had my first taste of it, being an entrepreneur where I started my own business in the mortgage industry, then went into recruiting for accountants. And then from there, that's when the co-founder of an outsourced accounting firm with a business partner and did that for about six years. And within that experience of working with small businesses, that's what led into starting a software company with that same business partner. And so we started a cash flow consulting, cash flow forecasting tool within our consulting business. And then that's kind of the next step that led me to FreshBooks where I am today. So it seems a bit disjointed, but truly one opportunity kind of led to the next. There's probably a few steps in there that might be a little bit confusing, but it certainly was just kind of an evolution of my experience and honestly, some of my geographical location and some family circumstances that one led into the next opportunity and brought me all the way to FreshBooks now. Wow. Okay. Now I have to unpack this somewhat. It's my responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get emails from our listeners. Why didn't you ask more about that if I don't? So did I understand this right? Your first job out of school was a controller position? No, my first job once I finished my designation was a controller role. My very first accounting job we actually called it an outsourced accounting company at that time. Now, this was back, gosh, I even hate to say what year it was, but it was 1999 when I got my first job post-university. So before I took my accounting designation, but post my university degree, my first accounting role was in what was an outsourced accounting company. And so it was really ahead of its time because back in 1999, accounting firms were either traditional kind of year-end accounting firms, or they were more bookkeeping, which was on an hourly basis. That we were flat fee, we had the flat fee billing model. We were doing everything kind of with a dollar sign attached to it for small business clients. And so that was extremely unique at the time when we were still using desktop software. So there certainly was a lot of data entry for my position. I was the most junior in that company when it started. And I was doing obviously bookkeeping. That's where I learned how to do payroll. But then I got into other things that essentially just whatever our business owners needed or our our small business clients needed. And in some cases, that was things like we helped them put a whole new point of sale software into their retail jewelry locations and help them with that process of putting that new software in place and training their staff. And then in one case I could think about, I went to small claims court on behalf of one of our small business clients because that's what they needed us to do. So it was really interesting to have that as my first role. And that's where 
probably I got a taste of being what I would call like a Jill of all trades or a Jack of all trades because I did so many different things all in that experience, coupled with obviously doing accounting work or, or doing bookkeeping and payroll work. So that was my very first role and that kicked off my career in accounting that's been so non-traditional. <laughs> okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I know you may need to fill in the gap here a little bit, but to whatever extent you feel like you need to. I find it interesting that you went into the mortgage industry. I get asked to talk about alternative accounting careers quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, outside of tax mm-hmm. audit and financials. So tell us about that transition. I guess, how did you end up wanting to start a mortgage company? <laughs> yeah, yeah, great question. And it is a bit bizarre. And really what happened there was when I left that position as the controller of a manufacturing company, I had the opportunity then to continue in the more traditional type accounting role, but I also had the opportunity to start up a mortgage business. And so I wasn't a traditional mortgage broker per se in that I didn't have it part-time or it wasn't kind of from my basement. It was, I started it as a business. And so from day one, I had staff. From day one, I rented an office space. And so that was my first taste of actually being an entrepreneur. So I did do mortgages, but we do mortgages as as a business. And really, I was hesitant to go into the mortgage industry. But in hindsight, I can really see that that was where I learned that what I got the most satisfaction doing each day was helping people. And that made it really clear because prior to that, I'd done accounting roles and I'd worked with small business clients in that outsourced accounting firm as my first accounting position. But I didn't see clearly that really where I did best and what I loved doing was helping people. And how that became clear inside of the mortgage industry was I started to really focus on working with first-time homebuyers and what I could do for them was help them navigate through something that was really stressful and something that they weren't comfortable going through on their own or that they didn't know anything about. They didn't know how to take out a mortgage. They didn't know what things that came with it. They didn't know even really a lot about the buying process. They were kind of just doing what their realtor told them to do. And it was an interesting experience because I was able to take all of my knowledge, both financial and just what I had learned really quickly inside of the mortgage and real estate industry, and give that to them as a teaching opportunity. So it wasn't just sign here on the dotted line, here's your mortgage. It was how can I give you an understanding about buying a home that empowers you and helps you make decisions inside of this really stressful time and helps you kind of be more informed about what you're making decisions around. And so that's what happened with the mortgage business. So I did have that time in running the mortgage business, had a team underneath me and and had some colleagues then that I trained and mentored as well. And it was really this kind of wrapped up opportunity for me to recognize, wow, it's actually not so much necessarily the numbers of accounting that I enjoy or that I'm drawn to, but more so how can I take my knowledge and experience and help somebody else to get through something that they're working through. So that applies with mortgages, that applies with helping small businesses. When I was doing more traditional type accounting work, that now applies with my role at FreshBooks. So it really was kind of this start of that very cliche, what is it that gave me the most satisfaction in my job each day and how can I use that to help somebody else? So I guess two-part question here, picturing you, you're a controller, 
and then you decided to go into the mortgage industry, I guess. How did you even get the idea? And then I know you did it for several years. So I guess, what do you think helped you be successful during that time as well? Because it's not something that we would typically think of for an accountant. (laughs) Yeah, really, it was somebody who approached me and said, hey, have you ever thought about getting into the mortgage industry? And the timing of when I entered into that industry was quite right in terms of you know, it was almost like kind of the start of a boom time here for real estate in Alberta. And so timing was working out right. I had somebody that I really respected that suggested it and just made me be really curious about it. And I've always been somebody who I don't know exactly where I'm going to be in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, six years. I just know that I've got goals that are more near-term goals and that I work really hard to strive to get to those near-term goals, but I'm really open and flexible, which is why my resume looks the way it looks. Is because I try to go through life without blinders on to be open to, oh, is there something here that really makes sense, even though it wasn't the career path I ever thought it would be. I never thought I'd be in mortgages. And when I got into mortgages, I had no idea how long I'd be in mortgages. And it turned out that I was really good at doing mortgages. And it's because I had a different approach in terms of what I was giving to the people I was working with. It wasn't just a mortgage, now you got your mortgage and your interest rate's good and away you go. It was more of an education and a training and a mentoring and supporting somebody through something. And that's how I became really good at it and stayed in it as long as I did. Okay. Okay. Well, now... It's not often that I have someone on the podcast that has also spent some time in the recruiting industry. You worked specifically a couple of years in the area I work in, in accounting recruiting. So this may be Mm -hmm. dangerous for me, but I am curious from your perspective, what your experience was like, because it's a different business, what your experience was like, and I guess what you thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm happy sharing that with you. And maybe what I'll share is, Firstly, how I even got into recruiting, because that seems then like a weird transition because I was doing mortgages and I just mentioned that I felt like I was pretty successful in doing them. So what happened was when I was doing mortgages, I was in a town or a city called Lethbridge in here in Alberta, which is about two hours from Calgary. And so what happened is that my daughter, who was then about two at the time, not quite two, was diagnosed with autism. And so because Lethbridge is a smaller city center, it just didn't have as many resources as a city the size of Calgary has. And so we relocated back to Calgary. So I grew up in Manitoba. I moved to Calgary. We moved to Lethbridge because I thought I couldn't imagine raising a child in a city that was a million plus people because I'm from a town that was 200 people. So I'm definitely a small town girl. And so we moved to Lethbridge thinking that we wanted to have a family and raise our children in a smaller city center. Now, she got diagnosed with autism, and we wanted to have access to resources that weren't available in a smaller city center. So we moved back to Calgary. And so when we moved to Calgary, that's when I sold out of the mortgage business. And basically, it was kind of back at a spot of, okay, now what do I do? Do I keep going in mortgages, which meant rebuilding my business because my business in Lethbridge Because Lethbridge is smaller, those folks like to do business face-to-face. So I knew I'd have to reestablish myself in the mortgage industry in Calgary if I wanted to keep going there. Or I took it as an opportunity of, do I want to do something else? And earlier in my career, I had been placed by Robert Half in an accounting position. And so I knew of Robert Half, which does recruiting for accountants. 
And I reached back out to them to just be exploratory. And then they actually pursued me as becoming a recruiter for accountants, which same thing. I was like, hmm, I don't know if I want to be a recruiter. (laughs) It wasn't definitely not on my career path and at the time. And again, I just got exploratory with it. Is this something that makes sense? And I had somebody give me some really great advice to say, either this will be the first step in the remainder of your career as a recruiter, or it's going to open up the next door for you, whatever that looks like. Because you know, Mark, being a recruiter, you meet so many people. You meet accountants, you meet employers, you get connected with corporate kind of industry or corporate lifestyle or corporate world. And so because I had just come back to Calgary after being away for a number of years, I just thought, that's right. It'll reconnect me to corporate Calgary. It'll kind of introduce me to a lot of people and then I'll see where that goes. So that's how I got into recruiting. To answer your question about what I thought about recruiting, truly, I love the experience of matching employees and employers. And because I was an accountant and I was placing accounting professionals specifically, I really understood kind of what their schooling was like, what their career path could be like, you know, and I was even able to give some advice around like, don't be too close-minded. You could see where your career takes you. So I love that matching. I wasn't necessarily drawn to, like, because it's hard work. I give you credit, Mark. <laughs> it's not an easy job. And so it wasn't necessarily that I wasn't up for the fight, but I didn't enjoy that, like, when you had to be constantly thinking about, okay, where's my next hire? Where's my next placement? Where's my next? Because I realized that what I loved the most was really helping people that I kind of felt like I got a little bit lost with my desire to help people when I was constantly trying to figure out where's my next placement and where will this go? And even though, again, I felt like I was quite good at it, I just didn't see myself doing it really long-term. And so then as I said, I mean, or expected to happen in my recruiting career, it did open the next door for me and kind of the next opportunity unfolded. And so I enjoyed those two years. They certainly served a purpose in my career. I did more sales type work than I had done previously. I worked for obviously a a large international company, publicly traded company. So I got that experience. It was everything. There's always good things that you have from each position and each opportunity. And I certainly learned a lot from that. But in hindsight, I would say it was kind of the stepping stone to get really clear on what I'm good at and what I love to do and what was next for me. Okay. I just had to ask. And honestly, I looked at it sort of the same way. Either this will be something fun and different or I'll find something new, fun and different (laughs) from this experience. (laughs) Exactly. It ended up working out differently for for you. The the latter for you, the former for me. So, okay. Well, thank you. I, I was really curious. It is a unique business. So, I'm not sure what to ask about next because you've got co-founder a few times and founder once at least that I saw on your profile. So where do we go from here? 28 Financial, Empowering, is it Tana or Tanya? Yeah, Empowering Tana. Next step, if we kind of do this in chronological order, was 2080 Financial. So when I was in the recruiting business, then I, again, in that business, you just meet a lot of people. And funny enough, the person that I met is actually a friend of my husband. And so I was introduced to Kelvin is his name. And I was actually at the first meeting, I was connecting with him to say, hey, do you know anybody who might need 
and accounting or some accounting talent. I was doing it really as that exploratory kind of work that we do as recruiters. Who do you know that might be looking to hire an accounting professional? And whether that was going to be Calvin or somebody that he knew, it was that was the motivation for me, <laughs> truly, behind <laughs> meeting with him. But then he started sharing with me a little bit about what he was thinking about doing as his next step in his career was starting to sound similar to the very first job that I had in accounting, which was an outsourced accounting firm. So it was doing bookkeeping through to what's now called advisory work for small businesses, payroll mixed in there, anything that accounting or that business owners need from an outsourced accounting solution. And so when he started to kind of share a little bit about what he was thinking, then I got really excited around, well, hey, my very first job was doing something like this. It was an extremely successful business model. It worked really well. And here's what we did in that business. And so he and I just started talking and collaborating. And then it was became this natural evolution of working together. And so he had a bit different experience and background than I had. So the collaboration of the two of us, but both being very entrepreneurial, he's extremely entrepreneurial. I am as well. And so we came together and we started 2080 Financial, which essentially replicated the business model of my first job. And we then created the company, we hired employees, and we started working with small businesses and being that outsource solution, bookkeeping through to advisory. And really, we embraced cloud technology and used technology as much as we could in order to be efficient and timely and accurate with the data so that we could have monthly engagements with our clients and help them navigate as a small business. And so I went back to really loving my work because I was then helping business owners who we all know owning a business is really stressful. There's a lot that business owners don't know, especially when it comes to their finances. And so it's filling in that gap and providing them with information that they didn't know that was really insightful and helping them grow or thrive as a business. So it was exciting work. And not only did I get to help the business owners, is that we hired up to 10 staff members at at one point in time. And so we had the opportunity of then mentoring and training other team members in their work with working with our clients. And so that then from the evolution of that is what started Helm. And if I kind of do this in chronological, then Helm was born out of our accounting firm because we're working so closely with our business owners. A lot of the times the conversations were coming up around cash flow. I mentioned that I live in Alberta. We're subject to the ups and downs of the oil and gas industry. And so we would see that clients would have periods of time where they really had to manage their cash flow. And not every business in Calgary is oil and gas specifically, but it's all just intertwined. And a lot of businesses rely on the industry of oil and gas, even though they're not actually themselves in the oil and gas industry. And so we were working really closely with our clients and a lot of those conversations were around cash flow. And we had spent the last three or four years in our firm really trying to get efficient with technology and using the tools that were evolving and getting so powerful within this cloud accounting industry. But we kept falling short when it came to cash flow. And so we ended up having to use Excel for cash flow. And Excel is great, but it's not 
efficient and it's not scalable at the same level that we were scaling our other services and offerings inside of our business. And so we weren't able to roll out cash flow for all of our clients, even though we could see that most of our clients really needed advice around cash flow. So that's what then triggered, well, what if we develop a tool ourselves that would be what we want it to be and need it to be for cash flow forecasting? And so then we got into this kind of experimental mode of going out to the greater industry, so the global cloud accounting industry, to do some initial investigation around, would you use this? Do you find that you have a shortfall in technology when it comes to cash flow? Do your clients need cash flow and you're just not able to deliver it efficiently enough for them to be able to afford for you to do that for them? So that kicked off the journey of the same business partner that I had in the accounting firm. We started Helm and we went down the the road of creating a cash flow forecasting tool. And so we have a software company that we first at first we outsourced our development team and now it's all in-house and that's still a cash flow forecasting tool that's in the market. It has an integration with QuickBooks Online and Zero, and it has been uh, constantly this year in 2020 evolving and putting out new features in response to how important cash flow is this year for everybody with all that we're dealing with. And so that was the evolution and where Helm came from. Now, in terms of Empowering Tana, to kind of uh, round out your question, so Empowering Tana is is more of what I would call my passion project. So because I have a daughter who is on the autism spectrum, really, it became so obvious to me once she got older and really became more of a girl than a child or a girl than a kid. I've started to recognize that the resources and information on a child or a girl with autism and then a woman with autism was limited. Hmm. Typically diagnosis, like there's more boys and men diagnosed with autism than there is girls and women. And so naturally, there's just more information and studies and resources available for boys and men with autism. But as I'm sure you can imagine, once a child reaches a certain age, they are distinctly a girl and distinctly a boy in terms of like their genetic makeup. Girls go through different things when they turn 10, 11, 12, then boys go through. And so that's where I really noticed the difference in resources when resources that applied to boys didn't apply to my daughter. And so I saw that there was that gap. And so I started to build up some resources and some library of information that's, gosh, it's constantly changing and evolving as we learn more about autism, and especially autism in girls. And it, it was trying to create that kind of go-to for other people, whether that's parents or support workers for girls with autism. And then it's just naturally evolving as my daughter gets older. She's 13 now, but I'm starting to think about, gosh, like when she's 18, when she's an adult, when she's a woman and what does that look like and what do those look like? And so I'm starting to work towards building out the resources that are more related to women as adults that have autism. And so that's empowering Tana and that came from from my experience with my daughter and really trying to, again, go back to helping others. So what do I have that I know that I can share with somebody else? I'm getting resources from other people. So it's not just all relying on my experience because gosh, we know that People with autism, it's a huge spectrum and experiences are very different inside of that spectrum. And so 
it's not just all on what I know about autism, but it's also been pulling what other people have shared with me about their experience with either having autism or working with somebody with autism or parenting somebody with autism. You are a very driven individual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I chuckle oh. because sometimes that means that I don't sleep enough. Sometimes that means that other things get pushed to the side that are important. So I chuckle because my parents were entrepreneurial and they were extremely hard workers. I don't know anybody that worked as hard as my parents worked. And they're retired now, thankfully, but they were such hard workers. And so I always kind of laugh when I hear that because my mom, when she comes to visit, so she doesn't live in the same province even as I do. And so when she comes to visit, she often look at me and say, like, you should just sit down. And I end up looking at her saying, you know where I got this from, right? Like, you know why I'm <laughs> moving at the pace I'm moving and I'm juggling all that I'm juggling. You, you appreciate where that came from, right? And she doesn't really have too much to say when I mention that, but it definitely was what I grew up in. I grew up kind of in that working kind of environment. My mom was a teacher even when she first started their business and juggled that for a number of years let alone parenting myself and my brother. And they were extremely hard workers and very driven and certainly have that same helping nature to them and community kind of oriented nature to them that I just picked up on from growing up with in that environment. Okay. So you're with FreshBooks now. So I guess there again, two-part question. Are you <laughs> still involved with Helm in 2080? And then... What is your role with FreshBooks? <laughs> yep, good question. And I didn't round out kind of where I'm at now. So I don't do anything more with the firm anymore. I stopped working with clients back this spring when I started working with FreshBooks. And then what happened was with Helm, we, when things transitioned in the world with Helm, so earlier with COVID, I should say, so in March and February and March, when we were all struck with this news of, COVID and what does this mean? And we honestly, inside of Helm, started to see a lot more people wanting to get into cash flow because their clients were like, how am I going to navigate through this? Or how am I going to best utilize my PPP money, et cetera? And we knew though that we had kind of this roadmap of product features that we really needed to get into the platform in order to best serve accounting professionals who are trying to help their clients navigate with cash flow. And so we made this really difficult decision, I'll say. It wasn't an easy decision. I mean, Helm was essentially felt like one of my children, but we knew that we needed to create a platform that was more robust and was going to serve that pain point for the accounting professionals that were using it. So we decided to make this decision to put our heads down inside of Helm and get the development team really creating some new features. And that meant that my role at Helm wasn't necessarily making a lot of sense based on what we needed to do as a company, meaning that my position at Helm was going to, this all kind of is making sense now in terms of, I really loved working with accounting professionals to help them help their clients. So again, taking all that I know, I obviously had done a lot of work in cash flow by that point. I understood small businesses. I understood technology inside of accounting firms and bookkeeping firms. And so I loved working with those bookkeepers and accountants who were starting to do cash flow and this advisory work and how could they help their clients and how do you use the tech stack to make the tech stack do as much of the work as possible and then pick it up from there and do your advisory or your value-added services or whatever you want to call that. And so because we then were going to focus on being heads down in the product of creating a better experience inside of Helm, then we kind of needed to pause on doing that work with customers and to 
really market Helm while we were transitioning the product. And so that then is what kind of made this pivotal spot for me once again around what will I do? And so I did the the soul searching and this reflection of what do I love the most? And my choices at that time were I could rebuild or make a bigger accounting firm and scale that further, or I could do something that's still in the industry of this global industry of working with accounting professionals. And truly, I'd had a taste for that. And I saw the ripple effect of that, of when I work with accounting professionals and help them help their clients, then I'm just naturally, there's this ripple effect of how many businesses I can help. And being an entrepreneur at heart, I just love thinking that, gosh, now other accounting professionals are going to be doing greater work as a result of something that I might have shared with them. And that is so inspiring to me that I wanted to be able to have that same sort of reach and same sort of connection with the accounting industry. And so we had been talking to FreshBooks and uh, previous to us even making this decision inside of Helm because I knew they were starting an accountant channel. And I was actually referring people that I knew in this industry to them to say, hey, what about this person? That's the recruiter in me coming out. I can see now in hindsight, but I was trying to support them in in creating this channel and finding a leader. When we made this decision in Helm, I went back to FreshBooks and said, hey, I have a different idea. (laughs) And the conversations just unfolded from there and truly unfolded really quite quickly. And so I started then with FreshBooks as the head of their accountant channel. So I lead their brand new accounting professionals program. I do that full time. That's a full time project. (laughs) That's full time work for me in terms of carving out this channel and creating this program and really working with accounting professionals and changing or kind of creating what that message is that they firstly need to hear from FreshBooks because FreshBooks has been around since 2003, but it's always focused on creating a product for the small business owner directly and hasn't done a good job prior to now of really supporting accounting professionals. So I knew that this wasn't a light load to carry. This was going to be something big that I needed to be able to give it 100% of my time. And to really have it be successful, I needed to be all in. And so my work with Helm now is very light. I'm part of the board of directors, but I don't operationally work inside of Helm day to day. My focus is on FreshBooks and really carving out this program that I want to be partners, which are accounting professionals that are wanting to work with FreshBooks with their clients, but also have some sense of community inside of other or inside of FreshBooks where there's other accounting professionals who are also using FreshBooks with their clients. And we're creating workflows for accounting professionals. We're talking about how to market your services for the types of clients that are a good fit for FreshBooks. So it's, the tool is just one piece of that program and this channel. And everything that I enjoy doing goes into this creating this experience for partners who come in, which is that you need the tool in your tool belt, but the technology is just part of the equation. How do you create an experience for your clients that is value-added, that's really helping them as their business grows or is struggling through this year and leaning on the technology to do as much of that work as possible, but to help them offer these other services for their clients. And so that's where all my experience is coming into play and using FreshBooks as that technology and helping them with using that technology with their clients that maybe they weren't using prior to now, or maybe their clients have used FreshBooks, but they haven't. It's kind of this whole spectrum of how they're coming into the program and what 
motivated them to learn more about FreshBooks. It's an exciting place for me to be because I love FreshBooks as a company. They're certainly focused on customer service. They've got a human element to even their software for that they've got for business owners or for their customers. It's very human feeling. It's very experiential, even though you're buying the software. And then on the accounting side, of course, it's extremely experiential and extremely human focused and relationship focused, which honestly is what lights me up. One more question about FreshBooks. You're causing me to think. I had always thought of FreshBooks as a very small business accounting solution for someone that only saw their accountant once a year to get their tax return done, you know, at the most. And I think part of that is, is I've heard some of the advertising on very small business, like side hustle kind of, you know, podcast and Mm -hmm. things like that. Yep. Is FreshBooks expanding more into the space that some of the other competitors are in that you have certifications in? (laughs) I don't know if I'm supposed to mention that or not. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's okay. I picked up what you put down. I filled in the gaps. And I'm glad you brought this up because it is something that a lot of people will say that exact same thing, that they think of FreshBooks for the side hustler, the part-timer, or the very new business. And that is a use case for FreshBooks. Absolutely. We have a customer segment that it's focused on those particular types of businesses or entrepreneurs. 100%. What a lot of people don't realize, and this is part of my role now when I'm working with accounting professionals, is that... FreshBooks has grown significantly since its inception. In fact, in 2016, FreshBooks launched an entirely new platform, and a lot of people don't even realize that. I didn't realize that until I started talking to FreshBooks last year. And in this new platform, it's got a much more robust feature set, not just around the invoice inside, which is the origin of FreshBooks, but also around the accounting feature side. So it's now full cycle accounting. It's got financial reports and bank feeds and app integrations in an ecosystem that a lot of people don't realize that. And so what that means is that it doesn't necessarily matter where a business is at in its life cycle. That's not what determines whether or not they're fit for FreshBooks. Truly, it's more about what type of business is that. And if I paint with a really broad stroke, this is quite broad, but I think it'll help kind of describe what I mean here. If you think of a business that's light inventory and light assets, they're probably a good fit for FreshBooks. And so whether they are a scaling business that's got a team now that has payroll or that has got multiple locations, they can still be a really good fit for FreshBooks and not have outgrown FreshBooks if they're light inventory, light assets. Now, even with inventory, we've, we've just recently launched a new piece of our inventory feature set But when I think about inventory in the heavier kind of sense, it would be more like you've got warehouses of inventory or you've got pieces of inventory that are even almost like manufacturing. You've got three pieces of inventory that are going to go together and be sold as one. That's not a good fit for FreshBooks. The other one being asset side. If you've got a lot of capital assets and you've got some complicated depreciation calculations, we don't have an asset module inside of FreshBooks. That's not a good fit for FreshBooks. But in terms of anyone that's service-based business or even e-commerce that doesn't hold heavy inventory, franchises even where you're bringing over data from their point-of-sale system that's higher level data, more summarized data. This happens, I know that from experience, that you don't bring over every single $1.50 transaction that you summarize that data on a daily basis. 
that could still be a really good fit for FreshBooks. And what's unique about FreshBooks is because it was designed for business owners, the time to think about FreshBooks as an accounting professional is kind of, if you think of the decision tree, the first thing to think about is, will my client ever be doing anything inside of the accounting platform? And if the answer is yes, then that's a great place to start going further to see is FreshBooks a good fit for that client? Because what can happen sometimes with your clients is if they're not tech savvy or they're not comfortable navigating through accounting software, then it can create this friction point if you don't provide them with software that's a good experience for them. Either they're going to maybe make mistakes, they're not going to be current with the data. So if you think about invoicing, for example, if you need your client to invoice in order for you to do anything else in your workflow and they're not getting their invoicing done, not only is that hurting their cash flow, to be honest, because you don't get your invoices out, you're not going to get paid quickly. But secondly, you can't do any of your other work. You can't close off your month end. You can't look at cash flow. You can't forecast. You can't do anything else in that workflow if they haven't done their invoicing and so, or if they haven't done it correctly. So that's kind of where FreshBooks fits into the equation. And you're not alone with thinking, here's FreshBooks fits for this type of client. That's part of them not having an accounting, an accountant channel or an accounting professionals program and not communicating with the industry in, since the launch of that new platform in 2016. We being an industry, we don't know that FreshBooks has evolved the way it has because they haven't had that focus until now. <laughs> and that's, okay. that's part of my job is to, <laughs> to create that message and try to educate people on what has changed inside of FreshBooks and how is it different now. Beautiful. Well, I have three questions I end every show with, and you have a hard stop in about four minutes. So <laughs> I think I better get to those. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for that. So first question, because I do want to get through them before we need to get off the line. First question is usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? With a splattered career like I have, Mark, it's really quite (laughs) difficult to pick one thing, to be honest. I think, honestly, what I'm going to say is it's not necessarily something that's like, oh, this project or this company or this client that that was successful. It was actually recognizing what is it that lights me up inside and how can I use that to help somebody else or how can I use that to help someone else be successful or help a business evolve or accounting professional evolve or how can I make that impact with somebody else? And it wasn't until I got older that I actually got really thinking about what is it that I can do for others that still, you know, obviously I want to still have a career and still support my family, but that I can take that knowing about myself And I always just feel like when somebody's doing something they're really passionate about, the ripple effect of that is significant. So for me to find something that I really enjoy doing, that others appreciate and can get value from, bingo. That's honestly the biggest, biggest success that I've had is recognizing that and then starting to utilize it better. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, finding your passion is very important. Well, Mm -hmm. second question, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way, and I guess the more you can tell us about it, the better, but I know we're, we're sort of short on time, but I guess what was the lesson learned the hard way? Yeah. I mean, the lesson learned the hard way for me, honestly, has come from my daughter in terms of things don't always go as you expect them to. I mean, I always imagined that I would be a parent, but I never imagined that I would be a parent of a child with autism. And that sometimes still will catch me in terms of like, I so wish that I could take her now. She's 13. We could go get our nails done together. It'd be so much fun. 
you will not paint that girl's nails. It will not happen. And so, you know, you could fixate on, wow, this isn't going the way I wanted it to, or the way that my friends are doing it, or the way that my colleagues are doing it, but it's different. And it's, I get to experience things because she has autism that other parents don't get to experience. This is reflective in your business too. My business isn't going the way I want it to. My client experiences aren't going the way I want it to. My financial reports aren't going the way they want it to, whatever. But there's something inside of that that is an experience that's meant for you. And so how do you dig into that? And I know it probably sounds really fluffy and cliche, but it's something that she taught me that prior to that, I was just always looking at somebody else saying, I want it to look like that, or I expect it to look like this. And when it didn't, I was thrown for a loop. And it's like, well, that wasn't, that was no good. That was a failure. But you can't do that when you're a parent. You've got what you've got. And so how do you make the most of it and quit fixating on what you thought it was going to be instead of just like, here's what it is and how am I going to make the best out of this? Yeah. You know, you mentioned plan B, accounting being plan B earlier. (laughs) Yeah, it makes me think of, you know, life's all about what you do with plan B. So, yeah. Well, last question, and then we will go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Yeah, the best piece of advice I ever received was actually from one of my first accounting jobs, a job that I skipped over altogether, but it was a traditional type of accounting job, where the CEO of that company always wanted the employees to have a no regrets career. That's what he called it, a no regrets career, which meant, what do you want to do in your career and how can we support you as a company to get there? And the way he described it was saying, when you get to your retirement party, Will you be able to look back on your career and say, I accomplished all that I wanted to. I surrounded myself with people that were inspiring and had similar values and aspirations. As long as you get to your retirement party and you can say yes, then you've had a no regrets career. And so I've always loved that because then I parlayed that into saying, how do you have a no regrets life? How do you get to the end of your life, which I appreciate sounds a little bit morbid, but how do you look back and say, I had a no regrets life. I did everything I wanted to do. I surrounded myself with people that were inspiring, that I loved, that had similar values to me. And that was certainly the best piece of advice I've ever received and something that I really call on now from time to time when I'm a little bit lost or thinking, hmm, what's in this or what should I do next? Or did I give that my all? That no regrets has often come back up for me. Wow. I'll be thinking about that all weekend. <laughs> Thank you. That makes my day. And I know Don Balick from that company would love that he's passed his, his words. Or he has, probably has no idea that that stuck with me, but I try to pass it along to other people as well. So I'm glad that, that you like it. Yes. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you again for for spending the time with us. I enjoyed hearing your story, but also I learned a lot. So thank you. This really has been special. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you. This has been really fun and it's been great to chat with you and your audience. And I'm glad that you got something to take away. That honestly makes my day and my weekend. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, that was my conversation with Twyla Verhelst. And like I mentioned, she's had a phenomenal career. She's a very creative individual. And I think my biggest takeaway from this is how that creativity and that ability to see opportunity out in the market is going to serve her extremely well being the head of the accountant channel at FreshBooks because she's going to be working with accountants all the time and therefore she's going to be able to help them see opportunity when it exists. And that's an exciting thing. 
Well, like I mentioned, if there's anything I can do for you personally in the area of accounting careers, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Always happy to help. And with that, I think we'll wrap up this week's episode. This has been Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for the show. And thank you so much for joining us. There's more to come.